Lord Jesus Christ, we come together to hear from you, our King. So open our hearts, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want this higher. <laughs> nope. <laughs> there we go. These are good scriptures this morning, aren't they? A lot of allness, um, all encompassing of them. Um, am, I, am I pretty loud? Can you guys? Sounds great? Okay, all right. We'll keep rolling. <laughs> I'm like trying to quiet myself a little bit. Okay. Well, we are preaching through Restoration's values uh, this month. Uh, and we believe that these values, these are things that sort of shape the culture of our church. It's not that these five values are the beliefs of the church, those we recite every week, the, the creed and, and many of the other components of our, our service. Um, but instead, the, like I said, these values are a way of sort of placing emphasis on certain aspects of the Christian faith that we think are especially pertinent to this time and place that we find ourselves here in South Minneapolis in 2018. And so my hope is that these values, as we've been preaching through these, I hope that they resonate with you. And I hope that they help explain to you what you are experiencing here at Restoration, whether this is your first Sunday or whether you've been here since you know, the very beginning. So those five values are reconciliation, hospitality, wholeness, contemplation, and mission. And I also want to say kind of as an aside before I dive into these, uh, you know, these, these sermons are much more thematic in their nature. Uh, hopefully they're describing to you the kind of the, uh, these themes that you'll catch throughout the entire meta-narrative of Scripture. Uh, usually I, I like to pick just one passage and hone in on that, but these are a bit more overarching. Um, and you'll see that again next week. Uh, I'm really excited. Molly's going to be preaching next week on the themes of contemplation and mission and how those dovetail together. So uh, I hope you can join us next week for that. So today I'm going to be preaching on wholeness. And as I mentioned last week, uh, pertaining to hospitality, wholeness is also rooted in the first value, kind of the centerpiece value, which is reconciliation. And in wholeness, we affirm that God is reconciling all things to himself, as you heard in so many of these passages. And the statement that we have, and you can see this actually, I think it's like page three or something of your bulletins, but you'll see where each of the values are listed there. And this is what it's, is written uh, next to wholeness. We seek to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of creation is held together by him, and in him we live and move and have our being. In light of this, we expect to meet God by his redeeming presence in every season, in every vocation, and every aspect of our lives. So, you know, a lot of us come from a lot of different various Christian backgrounds, or some of us come from, don't even come from Christian backgrounds, but you probably know that there's, there's quite a few different flavors of Christianity in, in our country, right? And some of you may have grown up in, in traditions that really emphasize, like, sexual purity, as if that's, like, the penultimate, you know, Christian value is sexual purity. And uh, my, my wife, Molly, she tells the story of her confirmation uh, classes that she would go to where like every week that's all that was talked about and she's like is there anything else to christian life than just this 
You know, and yes, absolutely, you know, now more than ever, the church needs to be a witness to God's beautiful intentions of, of human sexuality. But there's so much more to the Christian life than just that. And some of you may have grown up in traditions that emphasize like the emotional um, uh, sort of experiences that we would have with God. You know, maybe you were encouraged to have certain uh, mountaintop experiences or else maybe you weren't really considered a Christian or a true believer. You know, yes, it is good to desire experiences with the Lord, you know, powerful experiences, but there's so much more to our Christian walk than just that. And some of you may have come from traditions that overemphasize, like, actual factual knowledge. You know, maybe you remember playing, like, Bible trivia, you know, over and over. Uh, maybe every sermon and every summer camp just emphasized um, Bible memorization. But again, yes, should we, we should love the scriptures and we should ingest them. You know, they, they should be memorized. But there's more to the Christian walk than that. And I could say the same thing about social justice. You know, some of our traditions emphasize that over some of the other aspects. You know, of course, as the people of God, we should be caring for the imprisoned and the impoverished. But here's the thing. When we look at scriptures, God wants our whole being. He wants every aspect of who we are, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we don't get to choose just one of these areas and, and pit them against the rest. In fact, when we do that, that one particular area kind of becomes an idol and it kind of becomes malformed and stuff, right? But the truth is, is that there will be a day in which the entire cosmos will be fully redeemed. And until then, the church partners with God in his mission of restoration. And there's not a single atom of the universe or millisecond of time that will not be untouched by the Lord's restorative powers. And that is what our value of wholeness is trying to speak to and explain. That God cares about it all. Every atom, every millisecond. And so today in my sermon, I want to focus on that last line of that paragraph uh, that says this. We expect to be met by his redeeming presence in every season, every vocation, in every aspect of our lives. So that's going to be the three points of my sermon. So first of all, God meets us in every season of life. Did you know that 25% of the people in this building right now are children? Like, there's a lot of kids here this morning. I mean, you can kind of hear the murmuring and all the good stuff that's going on back there. Like, there's a ton of kids who are here. I'm so grateful for all of them and, and learning their names and their personalities and all their little goofy kid behaviors and stuff like they're just great they're wonderful it's such a blessing to have them here and here at our church we view children as full members of the kingdom of god full members of the church and that's one of the reasons why we welcome them at the sacraments you know they deserve to be washed in the waters i mean well they don't deserve because it's god's grace you know they're, they're all wretches just like all of us right but you know what i mean we welcome them to the to the waters of baptism you're not too young to be received and, and, and welcomed into the household of God. That's also why we welcome them to the table, right? We don't think that you're too young to come to the table and to receive that spiritual food, that spiritual nourishment from God. So our kids, they don't have to wonder if they're in or out. They're in. They're in. They're included. And that's also part of the reasons why we say that, that being a volunteer in the children's ministry isn't just for parents, 
You know, you can, you can be someone without kids. You can be someone with adult kids who've left the house. Like, we want you to be pouring into that next generation. We want you to be loving on the kids. And I'll, I'll be the first parent to declare, I need the whole village, right, to raise my kids. Like, I need your help. And I hope that I hear that resonating with a lot of you other parents as well. Uh, I, I hear so many fun stories almost every single week. Uh, from the volunteers who will send me a little email or something, of just something completely adorable that the kids uh, will say. Some of them are, are blasphemous, but a lot of them are very adorable. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but one of the kids, this happened several months ago, one of the kids said, when I grow up, and she said this to the teacher, one of the teachers, she said, when I grow up, I want to be just like you and teach the Bible to children. I don't, I don't know who that was said to. But someone, I promise that was really said here. When I grow up, I want to be just like you and teach the Bible to kids. And I just thought that was so cool that that kid would be so animated by the story that was being shared that morning that they imagine, they want to see themselves in a place where they could then pass that story on uh, to, to other kids with joy and excitement. So in addition to the early stages of life, we also celebrate the later stages of life as well. I remember there was a, and I forget, maybe this was someone here, maybe this, maybe not. I, I forget who it was, so forgive me. But someone came up to me uh, after one of our services. This was an older couple. And they said, you know, when we walked in here, we, we knew this was a church plant. And so we thought that it was just going to be full of, of just millennials, and that was it. And we thought that we would be the oldest, you know, people here. And we were delighted to see that we weren't, right? And it's one of the blessings of this congregation we're, so, we're such a young church, but yet we're already so generationally diverse. And I celebrate that. I think that is an amazing, amazing thing, especially in this world where each, each of the age groups are so segregated and separated, right? Now, I hope that someday we can be more um, ethnically diverse. I know that's something that many of you desire as well. But in the meantime, I'm just so happy about that intergenerational diversity that we have too. And my prayer for you especially for, for those of you uh, with more silver hairs than myself, uh, is I, I, my prayer for you is that that verse from Psalm 71, verse 18, would be a theme verse for you. So even to my old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to the next generation, your power to all those who come. You see, I hope that you are receiving the joy and the excitement from a lot of the younger folks who are running around and almost pushing us over at times. But I want you also to know that we need your wisdom. You know, we need your testimonies. We need your witnesses of God's might and of his power. Because there's going to be so many times, you know, in the, in the younger folks' lives when we get so anxious about things. And we need you to be able to say into our lives, I've been there. I know what that's like. It's okay to chill a little bit. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and he will walk with you just in the way that he's walked with me. Our culture, our world, loves to use family language in ways that really aren't family. I mean, I, you, maybe you've come across this yourself. You know, uh, there's been places where I've worked where we have these quarterly meetings, so you cram everyone into the, into the building, and, you know, it's, it's kind of this, like, rah, rah, yay, we're doing well, these kind of like kumbaya sort of moments. You hear a lot of like, oh, we're all family here. It's so great, you know, to have family. But the thing is, is like, if you don't perform well, you'll be fired, you know, like, like you'll be asked to leave, you know. <laughs> like, that's not really the definition of family. 
and you know, like around my house, if I don't do the chores, like I'll, my kids and my wife, like they'll get frustrated with me, you know, but I won't get kicked out. I mean, I, I know and I realize not all households are that gracious, you know, but on the whole, a healthy household won't kick you out for not taking the trash out, right? You see what I'm saying? And you also kind of see this with country clubs or any other sort of like club that you might belong to. You know, there's, there's often a lot of family language, but the fact is, is like if you stop paying your dues, you're kicked out. You're not welcomed anymore. Or if you don't live in the right part of town or if you don't ri- drive the right kind of car, like you're not welcomed in those circles anymore. Relationships in those kinds of contexts, the context of the business world or the country club, like those relationships are based off of loyalty. They're not based off of love, right? Well, here at the church, we have one father. We have all been baptized and adopted into the household of God. Everyone has a seat at his table. You're all sitting in seats at the Lord's table right now. And this is, we have a father who looks for the lost son and brings him to the feast. You see, the church is the truest family, brothers and sisters. And we don't need to accomplish anything to be here. You're not too young or too old. God has a place for you at the table. So God meets us in every season of life. Secondly, God also meets us in every vocation of life. Every vocation. Now, it's, it's kind of a problem in American Christianity that we've, we have these very clear divides between the secular and the sacred. And we don't do a good job always of bridging these gaps. You know, oftentimes you'll hear um, pastors talk about, you know, the Sunday versus the rest of the six days of the week. Or you might hear about the church versus the world, good versus evil, all this sort of stuff. And as I was thinking about this, I, I remembered this thing that we used to have in our house. Um, a lot of you know what the yellow pages are, right? Now, if you're younger than 30, you might have no idea what yellow pages are. But yellow pages, that's where you'd have like a listing. It's, it's before the Google uh, where you have a listing of every business in your city. And I remember my parents had a Christian version of the Yellow Pages. And I, was, and I remember discovering this. First of all, I wondered, like, where in the world did this come from? But it was, it was so bizarre to me because it's like, so does that mean that everyone in this, in this version of the Yellow Pages professes to be a Christian? Like, is the implication here that, like, these people are more honest businessmen than others? Because I think, you know, experience tells us that's not necessarily always the case, right? And then I was like, you know what? I bet whoever published this is making a lot of money. I don't know how, but I'm sure they're making a lot of money, right? And, and you'll see these kinds of efforts within some strands of Christianity where they're, they're trying to, like, create a second world apart from the world, the culture. And, and the two never really mingle or talk to each other, Right? And because of this, we have a hard time thinking that God actually cares about the world. We just kind of stick to our own little places. And that's not the purpose of church. We don't come in here to hide, right? The Bible gives us a very different paradigm of of the way in which we interact with the world. And I hope that these were kind of screaming and talking to you from the Holy Scriptures, right? But the Scriptures want us, the, the Bible calls us to be artists, and scientists in the world. We're called to go out and to explore the things of creation. We take the land and the sea, we take the fish and the beasts and the plants, and we make good 
and beautiful and tasty things. Like that is what we were supposed to do in this world. That's why the Lord created us and called us his image bearers. The Bible calls this stewardship or subduing the earth. Those are kind of boring words, you know, because it's, it's a little more adventurous than that. It's a lot more adventurous than that. We are co-creators with the Lord. As God's redeemed people, we also get to invite other people into this work. We're not doing this by ourselves. We're not doing this by ourselves. You know, I, um, I have a rule in my house that we can't talk about important things in the morning until I've had my coffee. Um, maybe you have, yeah, like half of you are nodding right now. <laughs> Great. I'm in good company. This is a safe room where I can share some of this. Um, I might have some kind of snotty opinions about coffee, though, so don't, don't judge me too bad about this. But I love coffee so much that sometimes when I'm falling asleep at night, I'm thinking, oh, I get to wake up tomorrow and have coffee. <laughs> like, this is, I'm so excited, and you can almost smell it. And it's like, oh, but if I have some right now, I, I won't be able to fall asleep, and that's, that's such a shame. You know, I'm, yeah, so I get so excited. And the whole process of making coffee is absolutely fascinating. And I wish I knew more about it. You know, maybe some of you are more scientific about your coffee making, and I, and I have a lot to learn from you. But I just love, like, hearing people talk about the process of planting a coffee bean, you know, in a right spot or, like, in the right country and how different countries and the soils of those countries contribute to different sort of flavors of the coffee. You know, I'm sure that, like, there's different fertilizing techniques and different times of harvesting that affects the taste and the flavor of that bean. You roast those beans in different ways, either lightly or dark, to get different flavors out of it. And it goes on from there. You know, you, you have a choice of how to, how to grind your coffee, either coarse or fine. The temperature of the water affects this. Um, my favorite temperature so far is like 175, 180 degrees. You know, that's like the best to get a lot of flavor out of my coffee. You've got pour overs, French press, my favorite, the aero press. Again, like there's so many different ways to prepare this. And it goes on and on and on. And we can talk about how all these different variables sort of produce these different results in your coffee. But one of my favorite parts of, of making coffee is when someone comes into my home and I'm able to, to do all of this, to prepare all of this, and then offer it to them. And if they put cream in it, I kind of cringe a little bit. You know, I'm like, oh, please don't do that. So if that's you, that's, that's, I'm sure I just lost and offended so many of you. But it's, I love like offering that to them. Or maybe at your business, you prepare coffee for people and you offer it to the patrons of your business. And this is something that we all do. This is something that we're all actually created to do. Maybe not necessarily with coffee, but with other things. We take the soil of this world. We take the plants of this world. We take the water of this world. We take the chaos of this world. And we add to it our wisdom, our patience, our ingenuity. And we turn it into something that is beautiful and pleasing to the Lord and to others. So think about your own life. How do you do this? You know, maybe it's not with dirt and bean and water, but maybe you take pastels and canvas and you turn it into a portrait. Or maybe you take untamed children and you turn them into mature adults over the years. You know, maybe you take the, the chaos of society and bring law and order to that. Maybe you take wood and nail and you build homes. You see, friends, this is what it means to be created in the divine image of God. 
We are creative. We are stewards of the world around us. One of the things that I love about the whole arc of our Sunday service, you know, we begin by, by an opening acclamation and, and an invitation for the Lord to come in here. We have that prayer of purity to purify ourselves before we receive the word uh, and then, you know, so on and so forth through the rest of the scripture or through the service. But then one of the things that I absolutely love is at the end, right, when you hear the blessing of the priest and then you're sent out. And usually that sending out is done by, by a deacon in our tradition. And the deacon is someone who has like one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And it's that deacon who is sending us out into the world to love and serve the Lord. And it's, it's just this idea, this concept that we're not here to hide. We're here to, to receive from the Lord so that we are sent out on mission with God for Christ and for his kingdom, right? So, every season, every vocation. Thirdly, God meets us in every aspect of our lives. Now, I must admit, this is kind of a catch-all, right? This is, the, this is the miscellaneous clause. This is kind of the every other part of your life. Yes, God cares about that. Every little bit and piece. God died for all, and God redeems all. The reconciliation of Christ applies to all things. And there is a cosmic breadth to this. But there is also a very personal inner depth to this as well. You see, God redeems your past. Years of mistakes and mishaps can be and are used by God. I love what Henry Nouwen said, you are more than your worst moment. Isn't that beautiful? You are more than your worst moment because our God can see redemption and value in all of this. So some of you may have heard this. I, I may have shared this before, but I lost my father in my own life very, very early on in a very tragic way. Now, my mom, she remarried someone uh, recently, or not recently, recently, after, soon after that happened. He was a wonderful, wonderful man, but, you know, a, a little boy never really asks for a stepfather. You know, you want your father back. And I always missed my father growing up. I still do. And that's a wound that I had wrestled with all throughout my life. And God has redeemed that. And I can't point to a specific moment in which God, you know, had this sort of lightning bolt moment with me where I realized that, that he was using that loss. It was much more of an ongoing process. You know, it's part of it entailed having kids of my own and, and seeing that, you know, in spite of my loss, I can still be a father to kids. Part of it was also having trusted mentors in my life who spoke healing and truth to me, people who I could confide in and share my struggles with and then you know over the years i could see that god was using my wound as a channel of grace into the lives of other people around me now we all carry stories of tragedy with us right this world is full of ways in which we get bumped and bruised along our journeys and hear me out i'm not saying that you need to be ordained in order to enjoy this kind of redemption process. This is something that the Lord makes available to all of us, right? So what I'm saying, and I want to conclude with this, is that when we submit to the rule of Christ, when we submit to his grace, when we confess his, our sins to him and allow him to wash us clean with the blood of his son, and then when we surround ourselves with his body, with the church, he does amazing things. 
And I would love to share more of that with you and hear also how that's happening in your life as well. But he does amazing things. So we expect here at Restoration Anglican Church to be met by his redeeming presence, the redeeming presence of Christ in every season, in every vocation, in every aspect of our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, King of kings and God of gods, Lord of lords, who sits up in heaven, all glory and honor and power are yours. You are true and good and beautiful. And yet, Lord, you reached down from heaven. You clothed yourself in flesh and walked among us. You showed us that, that you love us. And you spoke to us with truth and grace and ultimately gave your life up for us so that we can have relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to walk with you, to walk in that abundant life with you day by day. Lord, we ask for your redemptive um, plans and purposes to unfold in our lives. Lord, I pray for every individual who is here this morning that they would be having conversations of ways in which you are moving in our lives, either at, here at church or in life groups or over coffee. Lord, um, just continue to speak to us and move in this congregation. May we be a lighthouse to those around us in our neighborhoods who are so desperately searching for meaning and purpose. May they see, Lord, that when we are rooted to you, that you will redeem all of us, the whole entirety of who we are. For your name and for your glory. Amen.